0: which can help improve performance on standardized tests and grow into successful communicators. The flexible framework of Voyages in English is adaptable to any teaching style and any student's abilities. With practice, the mechanics build in complexity over time. It just all works together. Visit voyagesinenglish.com to learn more, then order a sample. With Voyages in English, there are no crazy workarounds, just solid help for today's language arts teachers.
1: The Link teachers Lounge with Jill and Colleen Welcome to the Catholic Teachers Lounge, the only podcast by Catholic school teachers for Catholic school teachers. I'm Colleen and I'm here with Jill and we are grateful to be together again to laugh, explore, and connect. Thank you to Loyola Press for sponsoring us and for you, the teachers, for doing what you do every day. Hey, Jill, how's it going today? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I'm doing okay. Good. Hang hanging in there, you know. I'm um boy, I, I'm picking up from the last episode where we were talking about universal design for learning. And I I think we're just gonna continue this conversation for a couple more episodes. So if you're good with that,
2: <laughs> you want to just I am good with that. And I'm realizing it's kind of fun in this conversation because this is your jam, and I'm realizing I know some things I didn't realize I knew. And so I'm
1: learning from you as usual, Colleen. So this is fun for me. The best part about universal design is anytime I go into a classroom anywhere, um, I see elements of universal design, and I say to teachers all the time, um, "You know, h- how much have you studied universal design, or have you been trained in universal design?" A lot of people say they don't even know what that is. I don't know that term. I don't know what that is, and they're doing it. So, universal design is—it um, it is a mindset. I think I said that in the last episode. It, it's a mindset. It's a lens. It's a way of doing things that. Um, it's not a methodology. Like, teach me the methodology of this. No, it's really the way that you see things and the culture that you set and the flexibility that you allow yourself and your students in your classroom. So I see it everywhere. People just don't know that they're actually doing it. So um, yeah, when, exactly. when I'm talking to teacher, uh, when I'm talking to people about um, about universal design, it's really let me point out to you all of these elements of uni- universal design that you're already doing and. Then do it with even more intentionality, you know. So it's like then you actually know mm-hmm. why you're doing it, and and it just kind of becomes the way. Then, so does that make sense? I think what's I, I appreciate you saying that because
2: yeah, like how do I teach this or how mm-hmm. do I teach this way is is not the right way to go about it. So yesterday we talked all about engagement. So just sort of mm-hmm. this category of UDL. Today, what are we doing today? Today We're going to do
1: representation. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you, you ready for? Do you know what that means? <laughs> uh i need you to teach me and then i might know more than i think i know <laughs> you probably know more than you think you know so that's usually the case so okay so representation is the, it, it really focuses on um perception and comprehension of content so um how content is presented to students um, that that is representation and how they perceive it and comprehend it that's the most important thing here so let's consider how a person with let's say a visual or a hearing impairment access content in a regular classroom Hmm. consider consider how someone with who um who is an english language learner perceives content in a regular classroom? How does a person Mm -hmm. with profound dyslexia access the curriculum in a regular classroom? Or, Or a person like me who just, I'm neurotypical, but I know I learn best by listening and writing. The combination of listening and writing together. I can learn anything if I can listen and write at the same time. So... Question.
2: I'm already thinking of a simple example. Like I remember, um, early in my teaching learning, you know, uh, we grew up in the day of you had to listen to a lecture and then they would maybe scribble the assignment onto the chalkboard and it was up to you to like, you know, get it down. So even not even the Mm -hmm. content, but just figuring out what's the homework tonight, Mm -hmm. uh, enter into the teaching space. It's like, okay, you, you put it up onto your class website, whatever, like you put it on, you know, online, you can see it or what, mm-hmm. like there's multiple places to see what the homework is or to have it yeah. written out for you or to hear what it is. So even when it's in the directions or the instructions, you know, putting it in three places is not teaching the kid less about being responsible. It's, oh. it's really just giving them all equal access to having clarity about what the assignment is going to be. So really, yeah. I think it's really simple, but it makes me
1: think in the way you're talking about. So part of it is in the way that you're giving instructions. And then part of it is how you're actually teaching the content. So do you want me to give you, yeah. and let me I know know give you an example? You're going, so. Yeah, I can give you yeah. an example. Okay. So really the most important thing to remember is that there is no one way to teach everybody that's in your classroom. That's going to meet the needs of all the learners that are sitting in front of you. There isn't one best way. So you have to have uh, a broad toolkit. So representation is all about perception, language and symbols, and comprehension. So I'll give you an example of this. I, I was watching my um, my co-teacher, Crystal Brooks. So she is, um, she is my business partner at Inclusion Solutions, and we do a lot of training together. So I was watching her present a webinar on behavior management, and she gave an example of a student who was appearing to be defiant in a classroom, just not following directions at all and and acting up. So there were behaviors associated with this not following directions. And she asked for people on the webinar to put in the chat box, what happened? What is happening here? And several people responded and came back. The student didn't listen to directions. The student didn't listen. Okay, so maybe, maybe it was a choice and maybe it was just not paying attention and following directions, right? But maybe, just maybe, the child couldn't actually process the directions and that responded through a behavior because behavior is a communication from a child to other children, to the adult, mm-hmm. to the teacher. Their behavior is a communication to you and it's not always um, just not uh, just being defiant which is, you know, what we were getting to in this example. So Crystal gave an example of a verbal command. The command was get ready for lunch. Okay. She broke down (laughs) for everybody in the webinar, um, how many actual steps there are in getting ready for lunch. So, Washing hands was one of the steps in getting ready for lunch. And there were many Mm -hmm. steps in getting ready for lunch because it's clearing off your desk. It's getting lunch. It's, it might be getting out of your seat and going and, and then the washing of the hands. And then she showed a graphic of wash. So washing hands, like, let's just look at that one. And there were nine steps. In a mm-hmm. child washing hands. So, and that was just one of the steps in getting ready for lunch. So there were nine. And 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 that was just so one of the things that the kids had to do. So the expectation for what we say what kids hear, and then how they perceive or interpret what we're asking them to do, it's all very different. And what we think we're saying is very, very clear. And this is a routine, and we do this every day. So, of course, you must know the 85 steps that it takes to get from here to here when I say this one thing. But that's, that's not the case for all children. So, this is part of representation. Maybe it's not that kids don't listen, Um, There's a lot more to it than that. And we need to fill in the gaps as teachers for all of that. So routines are really amazing. I see lots of wonderful routines in classrooms, but clear expectations in written format, verbal format, and visual forms. So pictures, Crystal gave a picture of the nine steps of washing hands, and they were all like written across like a sentence side by side, this first, this second, this, you know, next, next, next. And that's how you wash your hands. And it was nine steps. Okay. But it was a visual. So the teacher, you know, could say it, the kids can see it. They know what it means. Okay. So let's think about new content.
2: Right. I'm thinking about, can I just throw <laughs> us an example? So I'm thinking yeah. about the parts of a cell. So go to science for a minute mm-hmm. with me, uh, plant cell and animal cell. Uh, it gets more complicated in different grade levels, but when you're introduced to it, it's very much a scientific phenomenon. So if you are only teaching out of a textbook and it's just a 2D picture of a cell with the parts labeled that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But I think our teachers are really good at finding different represent like conceptual how do you conceptualize that we're made up of cells? Making 3D models, watching videos, maybe doing yes. some VR, like there's a lot we can do. Talk about it. I remember when I was in middle school, I had to make up a rap about it, about the cell parts. Like there's such a giant concept here that is the baseline for biology, Um And so I think we disservice kids when we try to tackle something really complex only one way because they might memorize what we're up to, but it doesn't mean that they understand the concept. And when you get to scientific phenomenon, it's so complicated. We can't run the risk of losing half the class. Oh, I I failed that test. Mm -hmm. Like cannot happen at the sixth grade level when you think about cell parts because you just set them up for the next six years of science
1: classes. Yep, that's right. So getting it right is really important. So making sure that kids, all the kids that are sitting in in a classroom, can access that concept that you're talking about. So it's got to be talked about. It's got to be shown. They have to be able to talk about it. And how are they engaged in it? So go back to engagement. What did you tell them at the beginning of the lesson to help them understand like where they're going? So this, mm-hmm. what we're going to be talking about here and understanding a cell, here's like the end goal. This is why we have to understand this one thing. So we got to set a goal to understand this one so that we can go on to the next thing and and so on and so on. But that representation Mm -hmm. piece, they have to be able to hear it, see it, touch it, read it, listen to it see the pictures, like what build it, whatever. Mm -hmm. But that representation piece is really important so that they can do the next thing in universal design and that's the action and expression piece so they can show you that they learned it. So that's what we're going to talk about next time, okay?
2: Awesome. This is why we draw pictures in English class and we Mm -hmm. sing songs in science class and we, we create maps and social studies. It's not just the textbook. So thank you,
1: Colleen, for pushing us out of the box. We could talk about representation and use lots of examples, but we are going to, um, we're going to leave it there. We'll let teachers uh, think about that some more. And um, that's the bell anyways. We have to go back to class. So thanks for the energy boost. We really do love exploring ideas and affirming the efforts of all of our teachers. Keep the suggestions coming in and tune into our next episode as we talk about more great ideas from fellow teachers and more about universal design for learning. We will see you
0: next time.